0: Hey everyone, Mike here. This is the first episode of 2018 for iRead Comic Books. This is momentous. This year we have a lot coming and it starts with this mini-sode from Paul and Renee all about wrestling and comic books. That being said, what else is coming up in 2018 is absolutely awesome our third official annual episode, Emerald City Comic Con, Kickstarter backer crafted and recorded episodes, live episodes, creator interviews, drunk on comics bonus minisodes, and quarterly Q&A episodes powered by all of you out there. So start emailing and tweeting us your questions now. This year is going to be huge for us and huge for you. To start 2018, I want to say thank you for your consistent support and being the best fans out there. We want to make comics better every week, and thanks to all of you out there, that's possible. Now, enough with my rambling. Let's get into this episode wrestling in comics with Paul and Renee. Hey, everybody. This is Paul, and I'm joined today with by Renee for a special minisode discussing two of my favorite topics. I'm assuming Renee's favorite topics. Comic books and professional wrestling. Yeah. Now, <laughs> you might not think that there's a connection between the two, but I think Renee and I both have an opinion that there's a lot more history and connection between professional wrestling and comic books than you might realize, and we'll talk about that, and then we might have some recommendations for wrestling-related comics for you to check out. So I guess we should probably start by saying what the connection we see between professional wrestling and comics might be renee do you have a any topics to lead us off
1: yes i do actually and this is something that i do think wrestling and comics have in common and that's that they are more popular than people really believe um which is to say is you know we've seen the boom of comic books in movies and in the media recently and especially with comic-con and things like that and i guess we could Say that's because of the movies and things like that, but mm-hmm. uh, the same kind of goes with wrestling. A lot of people are sort of just like, "Oh, wrestling!" Everyone knows it's fake and top things, but um, it's actually one of the most popular basic cable shows in the world. And uh, I don't know if this is true still, but at least <laughs> for like almost ten years, from like two thousand four to I think till two thousand fourteen or something like that, like Monday Night Raw was the most watched basic cable program in the North America. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that both people sort like both topics, people have this assumption that they're kind of like nerdy or like, you know, they have a small group of people that follow it, but it's actually much, much bigger.
0: That's true. I mean, that's, they both have very, um, let's say dedicated and passionate fan bases. That's for sure. (laughs) And oftentimes pretty opinionated, but um, there's a lot more people watching wrestling than I think people realize. I think Monday Night Raw, this is WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, their flagship show. They must reach a larger audience than most comic books. But it's that thing where it maybe not, maybe isn't as recognized by mainstream culture as being that popular. And historically, wrestling has been popular for, for decades. Actually, right after World War II, when people were first buying televisions and putting them in their houses... Wrestling was the most popular televised sport in the country because it was very easy to film. So there's a large part of the late forties and early fifties where wrestling was incredibly popular. And much like comics, I think that popularity gets forgotten because it was eclipsed by other things in pop culture and, you know, contemporary culture like sports. But I mean wrestling in and, and comics do have this shared fan base, I think, and a sort of shared popularity that people might not recognize. And I think what's interesting is that nowadays those fan bases are the Venn diagram of those fan bases is crossing over more than people realize. Because I think popularity of shows like Monday Night Raw and the popularity of comics and mainstream culture is sort of reflected in even smaller, more indie type tastes where you have a show like Lucha Underground, which doesn't have the audience of Monday Night Raw, but it has a dedicated fan base and is a very comic book-friendly show, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I was actually just going to say, I was like, oh, yeah, like Lucha Underground, <laughs> which is also super interesting because Lucha Underground is on the El Rey network, which is a network that is originally targeted towards Mexican-Americans, meaning that <laughs> like um, their parents are either first generation or uh, you know just came to this country or something like that. Which is interesting because that's that's basically what I am as I'm a first generation American because my father came from Mexico, so (laughs) I'm the first generation of his family to be here. And so El Rey kind of targets that, but Lucha Underground, you know, it it's not just for Mexican Americans. Like a lot of other people, like our own Mike Rappin, (laughs) watches Lucha Underground. So you know, it's hit a bigger audience, but you know, it definitely does not have the same audience bases like uh Monday night raw or SmackDown or even um, is next
0: still a thing. NXT is still around. Uh, that <laughs> is probably my favorite wrestling show week to week. Uh, so I'll put that out there. And I have to say, it took me a long time to talk Mike into watching Lucha Underground, but once he got started, he was hooked. So he can credit <laughs> me for, for his fandom. And, uh, you know, we should maybe talk about Lucha Libre culture a little bit more closely here, because I think that's, in my mind, sort of the, the wrestling or the, the wrestling culture that seems to rate, relate the most to comic book culture, specifically superhero comics, because in, as far as my understanding, lucha libre culture, Mexican wrestling culture, there is a tradition of there being, you know, characters, masked characters, these over-the-top characters doing these superhuman feats of athletic ability. And there's always a story of a good guy versus a bad guy. You know, so you have Octagon as the good character and Pentagon as the evil version of Octagon and they fight and they fight for each other's masks. So it does have that sort of superhero larger-than-life quality to it.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think also if if anyone that's watched an episode of um, either Lucha Underground or any of the WWE stores or has even been to see um, Lucha Libre, they sort of see how fantastical and how wild it is. And, uh, you know, it's like the only other thing that you can compare it to is either like a soap opera or telenovela if you're Hispanic or a comic book Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's so out there and these characters are so verbose. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I guess (laughs) is the best word, but like if like, especially in, in Lucha Libre, like you almost treat those characters like they are superhuman. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, people, if they see their, their, um, favorite character out in the street, walking around with their mask on, it's like you're seeing Superman in person.
0: Yeah. And it's sort of that
1: same kind of connection.
0: Yeah. There's definitely something to that. The idea of there being a a secret identity in that culture, you know, the the, probably the most famous luchador El Santo, who was popular in the sixties and seventies, was a huge star in Mexico. You know, they made movies starring El Santo and comic books about El Santo. And mm-hmm. he was never in public without his mask. He's actually buried in his mask, his wrestling mask. So that was such a respectful part of that culture, was this a secret identity. So people identified not with the wrestler as a person, but the wrestler as a character, a larger than life character.
1: Yeah. And the mask, the mask is such an important part of that. Cause uh, I mean, uh, and cause even if you get unmasked in the ring and i don't know if this is still a thing but it was back in the day if you were unmasked you had to retire because you were that all your power is stripped away (laughs) you're no (laughs) longer that character you're the person under the mask so i don't know if that is because i know um Rey mysterio got unmasked like in wwe i think (laughs) the last year that he was there but now he's in lucha underground so i mean obviously he didn't retire but i mean
0: yeah
1: but he was yeah. also he. There were also photos of him, you know, without his mask on, because he was, you know, very visible in the WWE stuff, because they do charities and things like that. So it's it's not the exact same, mm-hmm. but I mean, I I still like that Rey Mysterio always wrestles with his mask on.
0: Yeah, still to this day. And I think if you watch Lucha Underground, it's still a little more traditional lucha libre culture there, where the the characters are never seen without their mask, and there is something to that the idea of the mask being sacred. So when you have someone trying to remove someone's mask during a match, that's the most disrespectful thing, which I think that's something that people that maybe don't watch wrestling regularly or who don't understand the appeal of wrestling maybe don't quite understand, but it is always about that idea of a good guy versus a bad guy, you know, a Mm -hmm. good wrestler versus a bad wrestler. And I think in Lucha Libre, it's a lot more exaggerated, but any type of wrestling match you watch, it is very similar to that sort of standard superhero comic trope of, there's a, the guy who cheats or the bad guy, and then there's the good guy who's going to fight for honor and justice and all mm. the things we admire in people.
1: Yeah, and there's a. I, that's why I, I really love the tropes in Lucha Libre and just in wrestling in general, because you have, like, you know, the villains who do the dirty tricks and they pull these sorts of things, because you know the hero is always going to be honorable. <laughs> and when, it's, when things look. The worst for the hero someone else is going to like either he's going to power through it with you know just being the mighty hero that he is or someone else is going to be inspired by him and come help him out mm-hmm. or there's that occasion where it looks like the hero there's no way that he can lose and then through some dirty trick he's defeated and you're so upset but you want to keep coming back and i think i think that's really where wrestling shines is just using those those tropes of good and evil and you sort of see the parallels and it's it's just i mean that's what i love about it i don't know about you
0: yeah yeah i think that's a large part of it i think that is the root of of wrestling and as much as wrestling has changed and evolved over the years in terms of production values or storylines that has always been the root because you always want to cheer for somebody and boost somebody else and i think it's very simplistic, but it's a it's a storytelling trope that always works. Like, yeah, we all know Superman is always going to win at the end of the story. You just want to see how he's going to do it. And the same thing mm-hmm. with wrestling. You know the good guys. You know John Cena is always going to win, right? So right. you just want to see how he's going to do it. Um, and it's, you know, so we've hinted at that idea. And I think it's the most obvious in Lucha Libre. And as we said There's a history of there being comic books in Lucha Libre and movies in Mexico based on wrestlers. And it's interesting to see how that's parallel to comics when we look at other cultures and how they approach the art form. Because in, in Japan, there's a whole comic book culture in Japan that's very different than American comic book culture. And there's also a wrestling culture in Japan that's very different than American wrestling. So in Japan, in the 70s and 80s, there was... Uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is the biggest wrestling company in Japan, there's a character called Tiger Mask, and there were comic books and, and anime based on this character. And basically, the, when you'd go see Tiger Mask wrestle, wrestle live, it was like seeing the character from the cartoon or the comic books live. So it's a complete crossover between the two mediums in the ring. And actually, Tiger Mask still exists. It's like the, I think there's been five or six people over the years who have portrayed Tiger Mask, but it's still part of the New Japan Pro Wrestling culture.
1: Yeah, I, I did. I think I did know that about the tiger mask. And thing is, I feel like Japan is on a whole nother level. Like I, I've seen a couple, um, like clips and things from just the way that they do wrestling now. It's like going to a rock show. Like Nickelback <laughs> wishes that their stage production was the people that run wrestling in Japan because yeah. it looks insane.
0: That is definitely my favorite wrestling to watch is New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, there is... It's interesting because on one hand, it's a very respectful of wrestling. It treats the the art form and the athletic spectacle of a wrestling match with a lot of, uh, you know, respect. Mm-hmm. But there's also that element of it being crazy and over the top. So if you watch their big annual show, Wrestle Kingdom, which is in January every year, it's like the biggest stage you've ever seen, a huge screen, all sorts of pyrotechnics, lasers. It is like a rock show. But once their wrestlers are in the ring and the bell rings, the matches are just very much an athletic spectacle, more than I think traditional American wrestling is.
1: Yeah, and I think it's I think it's really interesting though that you bring up the fact that like they have this sort of honor in respect to wrestling. And I think that I think that the way Japan treats professional wrestling and the way that Mexico treats professional wrestling are very similar despite the different ways that they go about it. But I think that they they treat the story and they treat the characters with like so much more respect than I think um that the US does or anyone else. Because it's sort of like like those those heroes are those heroes. Like it's not just an actor portraying it and, you know, they're not gonna be like in a different like how John Cena has his action movies and he shows up in comedy movies and things like Mm -hmm. that and you know he's an actor. Like the luchadors or the wrestlers from Japan, they're always gonna be those characters there and there's this sort of respect to the storyline and to just the craft in and of itself that I think is just I, I don't I guess it's something missing in america in, in America, but at the same time like i I still like American wrestling, but I just think it's very interesting to see the the similarities between Japan and Mexico, despite the fact that being very different cultures that they yeah. sort of almost go about it in the same way
0: you know it's interesting it's it's kind of the way I think about it and it might be something that for me is being lost in translation since I'm watching something in Japanese or I'm watching something in Spanish but the ability for the fans in those respective countries to sort of buy into the illusion and not try to peek behind the curtain all the time, which I think is something that American wrestling fans, by and large, maybe don't do as much, where they want to know every detail of the, the wrestler's lives, where, as in Japan, they can kind of sit back and say, oh, I'm just watching the show and can react to it as a show. And not have to think about all the ins and outs and you know, whether it's quote unquote real or not. So I mean I think that's part of the culture of it. And that sort of I think ties in with the way Japan traditionally approached comics, where comics were or manga were treated were treated with a lot more respect as a form of literature and an art form in Japan as opposed to the United States up until recently.
1: Yeah. I, I think it also has to do with with uh, the way that the cultures are. Like, um I think because Shintoism is built into Japan really, really strongly. Like even if there are people that aren't superstitious, there's Mm -hmm. all these little things that are just sprinkled into their culture that, you know, there's just this sort of idea of belief in make believe that it's just, it's just ingrained. And that same thing is in, is in um, Mexican culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though it's, it's a different type of religion sort of, and uh and while it's very similar to the religions we have in the US it's still not as ingrained like uh for example in spanish there is no literal translation or there's no um colloquial term for go to hell you would have to literally translate go to hell because it's just that phrase doesn't exist it wouldn't make sense in spanish because it's yeah. su- it's it's yeah cuz in spanish with with the culture ingrained in it say telling someone to go to hell is like really it's just beyond belief Hmm. like you just you don't do that you don't tell someone to go to hell i mean you can (laughs) tell someone to go like you know have sexual relations with a goat or something like that but you know you don't say go to hell you just you don't do that
0: that's too much that's a bridge too far
1: yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) but i mean but those things are ingrained into the culture and so there's also that fantastical belief in something else so i think it's easier for them to just look at a show and be like oh you know what it's just a show i don't need to look beyond the curtain right type thing
0: yeah yeah and i think that that's really interesting so that's that's so in in a traditional american wrestling culture there's this distinction between the wrestlers real lives that is the 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 athletes performing as these characters and the sort of story that the that the uh, audience is watching. And that story that the audience is watching is usually refer- referred to as kayfabe. So mm-hmm. that's the what you're watching week to week on Raw or NXT or Lucha Underground. What you see as an audience member, that's the kayfabe story. And that's different from the sort of real story of the wrestlers' lives day to day. So I think the ability for other cultures and other audiences to sort of suspend disbelief and say, like, I'm just going to enjoy this kayfabe story without worrying too much about it. I always find that really interesting. That's one of the reasons I really like Lucha Underground and New Japan for, the, for that, that aspect. But yeah. maybe we should talk about, you know, comics specifically. And, <laughs> you know, we hinted at there being comics in Mexico that are based on professional wrestling and manga and anime in Japan that's based on um, characters there. But wrestling comics in America never really took hold. Um, so you mentioned... Monday Night Raw being very popular in the late 90s and early 2000s. And I think there was a boom of, you know, comic book publishers trying to cash in on that. So there are wrestling comics that have existed in the 90s and early 2000s. But like most licensed properties, they're not very good. You know, they're just slapdash thrown together, cash grab sort of comics.
1: (laughs) Yeah, almost exactly like their cartoons are. Like one time I saw Scooby-Doo meets John Cena
0: sure but it's just like
1: it's just like uh, why what like it's just not taken very seriously
0: yeah exactly and i think over the past few years i think that's changed so i think that there are some examples of comic books coming out now that maybe treat wrestling with a little bit more respect and i i honestly think that the, the popularity of lucha underground has a lot to do with that so you know we've talked about that show but I don't think it can be stressed enough that that show is, I think a really big crossover and that's the way I sold it to Mike. And I've sold it to a lot of my friends is saying it's basically the closest thing I've seen to a live action comic book. And I think the producers of the show realized that and they actually produced you know, promotional comics based on the characters on the show. And I think that really established a connection between the two fan bases between comics and wrestling.
1: Yeah. Agreed. And, uh, I, I, I I just have to give Robert Rodriguez props for having that be his first show on El Rey <laughs> was Lucha Underground. He was like, "You know what? We're going to come out. It's this is what it's going to be." And it's I just it's so fantastic that it's done so well and that both on the production level and both in popularity. It's just it's fantastic and I I love that the the comic um, is still going. Yeah, I don't know how popular the comic is or how many people buy it, but that mm. it's it's done still. That it's still ongoing, and I think yeah. I I'm not sure of because I, I think I picked up one issue of it, but I think that it's it's kind of um, reflective of the way that they sort of did the old lucha comics back in Mexico during the 50s and 60s, which is actually reminiscent of the way action comics used to run where it was a different story and different like, you know, characters sort of going around. Like it was the same, like characters that you saw and you knew, but they were doing different adventures each week. And it was, you could just pick up an okay. issue. It didn't matter if it right. was in order. Right. huh?
0: that's interesting. Cause I, I think that the appeal of Lucha Underground as a TV show is that uh, the idea that it is a respectful show that pays homage to those traditions but with a sort of modern production twist to it. So as someone that's never watched a lot of old Lucha Libre, I feel like I still understand that culture from watching that show. And I I guess it's being reflected in the comics as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. As like, <laughs> I mean, other than, than Lucha Underground, I can't, the only like uh, wrestling comics that I can think of are like, uh, uh, like, like uh, this comic that ran in the 90s, and I think it's got, like, a second version of, like, El Gato Negro, which is about a Mexican wrestler who then also tries to become a superhero, and that was done by a Mexican-American. I think it's through some publisher in Texas. And then, like, the uh, Lucha Libre comics, which were, like I said, they were just, like, action comics. Like, it was your favorite wrestlers, and they would sometimes you know, just be walking around on the streets, or they'd be, you know getting ready to do something for the ring and they'd go through all different kinds of antics and things like that. So those are the only mm-hmm. wrestling comics I've had experience with other mm-hmm. than a manga, but we'll talk about that later. But sure. um, what, what other wrestling comics have you come across?
0: Well, if we're sticking with the sort of, you know, crossover between wrestling on television, and wrestling and comics, I think that the current WWE series that Boom Studios is publishing Uh, It's actually really good uh, for a wrestling comic. Um, I don't mean that to be a put-down, but given the history of wrestling-related comics, it's surprising how good it is. It's written by Dennis Hopeless and art by Serge um, Serge Acuna. And what's interesting about that comic is that it's basically set in the WWE kayfabe, where it's started with a storyline that happened a couple years ago if you're a wrestling fan you know that uh, Seth Rollins broke up his group The Shield a couple years ago on TV and that's where the comic book starts and it basically follows the characters with through their sort of day-to-day lives backstage and training to fight so it's connecting the kayfabe dots that you are missing just watching the the TV shows so I think it's a really smart way to do it where it's like so where they're saying what's interesting about the story is the story itself. There'll be scenes where they're actually having a match, but most of the comics are basically set with the wrestlers training for the comeback, scheming against each other, backstage. So it is like everything that you assume is happening backstage on the wrestling show that you know isn't happening, but you want to think is happening, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I get that, yeah. Okay.
0: So I think that's an example of a current wrestling comic, but the one thing that makes me hesitant to recommend it is that it depends on you knowing the current WWE storylines, the kayfabe content. So, um, But if you're a fan of that stuff and you haven't checked that book out, I think it's really good. Um, So I have a few more suggestions. So we just run through those.
1: Yeah, that sounds great.
0: There's also another series called Ringside, which is sort of similar to the WWE book, but it shows the sort of peek behind the curtain. So it's like the opposite of it. It's from Image Comics. It's written by Joe Keating, art by Nick Barber. And um, I read the first arc of it and it didn't quite click for me. Um, it seemed more like a crime comic. They happen to be take place backstage at wrestling shows. But I do think it's interesting if you... If you liked the movie The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke, it's kind of similar to that. So it shows the sort of unseedy underbelly of professional wrestling. Kind of interesting. If you're someone that is brand new to professional wrestling and doesn't know much about it, I highly recommend uh, Box Brown's biography of Andre the Giant, Andre the Giant Life and Legend. Not only is Andre the Giant one of the most famous figures in pop culture and pro wrestling, Box Brown does a great job breaking down some of Andre's most popular matches. So he kind of explains how professional wrestling works as a spectacle, which I thought was really, really interesting, especially if someone, like I said, who's never really watched wrestling before, don't quite doesn't quite understand the appeal of it.
1: Yeah. I actually have read Andre the Giant, Life and Legend, and it is actually, it's so good. Uh, so I agree with Paul that it is definitely something to check out, especially if, you know, you don't know much about wrestling or you haven't gotten into it. Andre the giant. uh, He, his title is not just because he was a big man in like, you know, physically, but he is such a big presence. He was such a nice guy. And honestly, he's he's just one of the greats and it's definitely a fantastic read.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's, it's another example of that. What I find common in both comics and wrestling where it's, In and we're speaking of you know superhero comics by and large, but this idea of like you're sort of buying into a story and this larger than life character who's sort of unbelievable. And Andre the Giant was that, but he was a real person. You know, he wasn't made up. So what's interesting about that book is Box Brown tries to blend that or blur the line between Andre Rusimov as a real person and Andre the Giant as a wrestler, and it's like you really can't separate the two. They're one and the same. You know, he really was larger than life. There's also a book called Wovable Oaf which is written by Ed Luce. It's not explicitly about wrestling, but the main character is a former professional wrestler. So there are some flashbacks in that book where he um, is reflecting on his career. Um, That book, I should mention, is very, um, how should I say, mature. Um, So it's not for everybody. Um, It can be pretty graphic, but it's a really fun fun book, and it's kind of fun to see someone who the main character, Wolfable Oaf, is the most tender, gentle human being you could imagine, but he made his career being the sort of bloodthirsty professional wrestler. And um, I got two more for you. Okay, reckless, <laughs> reckless wrestlers, which is a comic by a Polish artist whose name I really can't pronounce. Uh, last name it looks like Kowalczyk. Um, I've seen strips of uh, some of these comics republished in the Atomic Elbow fanzine, and that's a fanzine that if you are a professional wrestling fan, you need to be reading. So check out those comics in that fanzine. And finally, my pick for best wrestling comic isn't a book you'd normally think of being as being a wrestling comic. It's Love and Rockets by Jaime Hernandez. The legendary series by Jaime Hernandez. His Locas stories, which uh, follow the The Life of Maggie Chiscareo. It's about Mexican-American culture in Southern California. And there are a few stories in that book about Maggie going to wrestling school. Her aunt was a professional wrestler. So there's a number of uh, Love and Rocket stories that are about professional wrestling and what it means to be a pro wrestler. And this is a weird celebration of Lucha Libre culture, women's wrestling, and the sort of weird pre-Hulk Hogan territory wrestling of the 70s and early 80s so if you haven't read love and rockets there's another reason why you should it's got wrestling in it
1: i was gonna say that sounds awesome i can't believe i haven't read this book already all <laughs> of that sounds great yeah <laughs> specifically because it's it's also takes place in southern california which is where i'm from there you go uh, that sounds amazing i i can't <laughs> believe i haven't read this i'm going to like probably get it uh after we're done recording this uh episode Awesome. I guess I should say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So th- those are my picks. I, there was a lot more that I could recommend that I realized. So, uh, Renee, do you have any books you could recommend r- that are wrestling related?
1: Yes. Um, like I said earlier, I, I never really read that many um, wrestling comics other than uh, just like, you know, a handful of like Lucha Libre monthlies or something like that. That was until, and this is a very weird story, was um, my friend in middle school, uh, he handed me this like little, like it was like a magazine where it had like a couple samples and in it was a wrestling magazine or it was a wrestling story called Ultimate Muscle. And I was like, what is this? I know there's a cartoon about it and I got into it and it was absolutely fantastic. But Ultimate Muscle is actually a sequel to a manga called Knikuman, uh written by a duo who go under one name, Yure Tamago. But Kanikuman is uh, about this wrestler named Suguru Muscle, who then finds out that he is the king to a distant planet called Planet Muscle that raises, basically, wrestlers. But uh, (laughs) in Kanikuman, you learn that there is the professional wrestling that we have, and then there are actual superhumans who... Are way too powerful for the world, and so a bunch of other superhumans were like, "You know what? We'll have them settle their issues in the ring," and thus, actual superhuman wrestling was born. And <laughs> it's very, it's very odd, and it's very <laughs> great because um, saguru Muscle actually—you you, find—he looks like a really—you look at this character, and you're like, he doesn't look like a superhero because he's got like a pig snout and these weird like fish lips and he's got a giant horn on his head. And he looks <laughs> ridiculous. But <laughs> then you find out that it's a mask. He's wearing ah. a mask. Wrestling is so ingrained into his DNA that he's wearing a mask doesn't even realize it himself. He's like, "What? This isn't my face?" <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he also also one. constantly is is wearing his um his wrestling speedo, although it's got like a patch on it cuz he's like poor. It's so weird, but uh, <laughs> it's 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 also it was made for young boys, so it's got a lot of penis jokes in it too.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so Kinnikuman is very very goofy, and it only gets like serious like near the end. But like the fights in it are always very fun and very cool. But the sequel, the one that I was introduced to uh, in Japan, is called Kanikuman Nisei, which just literally translated means um, Muscle Man. The second, or Muscle Man, second generation—that's what Kanegumon means—is Muscle Man, mm-hmm. but it was translated into English as Ultimate Muscle, and it follows King Muscle or Seguru Muscle, his son, um, Montaro, who goes by the professional moniker of Kid Muscle, and his name is actually like a joke. He's named after like two of um, his dad's favorite superheroes, and he just smashed the names together. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Ultimate Muscle <laughs> is about like the second generation, sort of being in the shadow of their parents, but also, like, sort of coming into their own as human beings as well as wrestlers. And Kid Muscle is even more ridiculous than his dad was, and, although the series is much more gruesome than Kinnikuman, and there's a lot of, like, blood, and they, so they, actually, they actually fight because they're superhumans. And um, mm-hmm. very early in the series, they have the superhumans fight against professional wrestlers to show you the difference and why it's you know sort of like lives are on the line but at the same time it's kind of hard to take seriously because like they fight a giant cell phone at one point
0: (laughs) wonderful wonderful i think you know that's a perfect example of what i love about both wrestling and comics is that they're kind of at their best when they're at their most absurd you know
1: yeah (laughs) i do agree because i mean like when a comic is so weird you're just like yes this is amazing And when someone jumps off of like a fifty foot ladder, you're also (laughs) like, "Yeah!"
0: (laughs) It's like I I don't know. There's something sort of (laughs) some sort of primal about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you saw this, but like, uh, I don't remember what what WWE pay per view it was, but when Shane McMahon jumped off the top of the the cage for Hell in a Cell, Mm -hmm. I lost my shit for that. (laughs) I was screaming.
0: Yeah, and, you know, you could see it coming a mile away. You knew it was going to happen, but, yeah, when it did, it was still just as exciting, so it was great.
1: Oh, it was, yeah, <laughs> it was great, and I think that's I think that's just the beauty of wrestling in comics, like you said, is that it's its best at its most, like, you know,
0: ridiculous. Exactly, exactly. You know, the, arguably one of the most famous professional wrestlers of all time is an undead mortician called The Undertaker, you know? Ugh. So when it's not taken seriously... It's it can be pretty magical. <laughs>